Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Day in Titletown Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. The vibes are a little bit down, more so today than they are usually, because we're coming off a loss, not just any loss, a loss to the Minnesota Vikings, which feels like it's now a yearly thing is quite upsetting but um the Packers lose their season opening game just like they did last year in a pretty embarrassing fashion couldn't have gone much worse in the first half the second half they showed some signs but just couldn't get it together offensively or defensively and it ends with a 23 to 7 loss in Minnesota really put a damper on my my Sunday football week one mood um Bron how are you handling this loss Griff I am just incredible I must say the sun is shining the birds are singing. Are you serious? I'm going to kick the next person I see in the face. <laughs> uh, because the Packers lost on Sunday, and I have officially lost my patience for losing. <laughs> yeah, I know. We lose so much, don't we? Now, this is uh, the 14th loss in Matt LaFleur's career, which is kind of crazy. This is his fourth season, and we just don't lose a lot of games. And when we do, it hurts. It hurts badly. Losing to the Vikings hurts badly. Drives me insane. In Minnesota, so much of this game annoyed me. Their horn drives me insane. A seven-yard rush, they got to blow the horn. Why? Why are you blowing the horn? Come on. I- act like you've done it before. Zadarius Smith doing his sack celebration. That feels a whole lot different when it's being done against your team. Watching him crawl and like do the belly thing, that one really annoyed me. I, I was annoyed a lot yesterday, um, not only with the Vikings, also with the Packers and their pretty woeful performance, uh, like I said, both on offense and defense. Where do Wait, we even Griff, start? Let me cut you off here. Let me cut you off because I want to start with this. Can we just get right into it here and talk about Zadarius? Yeah. This is what happened. I'm gonna, my first gripe, uh, this is what happens when you cut really good players. You risk them going to a team like the Vikings who play you twice a year and then tormenting you in those games, and Zadarius just did that, so aggravating, because I did not want him to get cut. Clearly, he didn't want to get cut either, and now he's taking that part out on the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. He very much was looking to hit Rodgers yesterday, any chance he got, trying to take all the anger that he has out on him, and the Packers, I mean, that's, and this is what happens. I hate cutting good players, and this is the reason why, and he's as big a reason as just about anybody except Justin Jefferson as to why the Vikings beat us on Sunday. There were a couple times where he was singled up with some of our backup offensive linemen who were in because, somewhat unsurprisingly, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were a no-go. So we had Jake Hansen starting at right guard. We had Royce Newman moving over to right tackle. Yash Nyman starting at left tackle once again. Uh, A lot of backups in this game on the offensive line, and when Zadarius Smith had an opportunity to go one-on-one with any of those guys, it was almost no contest. And and I think the first quarter he had a really nice, really nice rush against Jake Hansen, who was at right guard, and he was able to sack Rodgers and... That that's just like wow. This guy comes in. He's so motivated. You know, he does all the quote. He gets all the quotes out earlier this week about how he wants to play. He came to the Vikings because he wants to play the Packers twice a year. And it's like, oh, I wish we had Zadarius Smith. You know, like I kind of forgot. Not not that I forgot that we cut him, but it really hasn't been like, oh, I wish we didn't do that. It hasn't been like that for me all summer. Like it hasn't been nagging, nagging me that we release Zadarius Smith. But on Sunday it did. It was like, wow, you know, Z is a really good player, and he he can play at any position on the defensive line, which is just such a luxury to have as a defensive coordinator. And uh, it, it sucks because last year he wasn't he wasn't healthy the entire year, and so I, I wish there was a reality where he was still on this team. But now he is in purple. I wish he was in 
a different shade of purple in Baltimore, which, if you remember, he originally signed a contract with the Ravens. Really wish he would have uh, stayed put. Yeah, and again, I, I, you know, the more I think about this, it's like he's gone. Why even talk about it? But it's the same thing with Devontae, really. It's just like we just traded another good player. We let go two of our best players this past offseason, and the more you think about that, it is really hard to see how this team could be better. And it's just like evident. It was very evident on Sunday. Devontae, gone. The receivers struggle. Uh, these young guys especially. Zadarius gone. The pass rush not great apart from Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark. And it's just like, man, like it's so aggravating because we've been talking about this all summer, how they should not let their best players go to all pros. And here we are, and it's it's clearly evident that it's an issue ha- not having them around. And it, having Zadarius against our biggest threat in the NFC North, that's the price you pay for cutting him. And it's, to me, a steeper price than they would have paid by keeping him around and having him on this football team, regardless of the cap space. My main takeaway coming out of this game is, honestly, I'm, I'm on the optimistic side here because it is week one. We knew it was going to take some time, especially with all these young receivers. We knew we, were gonna come, we weren't going to come out looking like how we did at our best in the past two seasons. Um, I, at least I was expecting that. So it, it, I'm really not too down on this. I think they're going to bounce back really well, and I think they're going to be a much better football team in November, December, and hopefully January. But um, the, the main takeaway here is that the Vikings... Uh, we we have some competi- competition in this division, and Bron, I know you're going to scoff at that because you disagreed with me. You actually, I think you guaranteed a victory on last week's podcast. Um, you think very little of the Vikings, but I think they're a pretty good football team. They showed that on Let Sunday. Let me interrupt you. Okay. Yeah, that's true, right? Let me, well, first of all, the whole aspect of the game was just bizarre because if things went how they were supposed to go, we would win that game in every scenario because a the Vikings have a rookie head coach with a newly installed defense newly installed offense etc which that should not be the case we should not lose to a team with a rookie head coach when you have Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur regardless of whatever's going on around them b the defense just did not play well at all the entire secondary was in shambles and I'm even going to include Jair in that because they did not know what to do when Justin Jefferson moved around and that had everybody in flux the pass rush wasn't getting home enough, and they couldn't stop the run for just about half the time they were running the ball. It was Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison going for five, six plus. It was uncharacteristic of the defense, and the defense is, a, to me, a pretty large reason as to why they lost the game, even though the offense didn't show up either. That first play, it hurts bad because you're thinking this is if that in an alternate world that Christian Watson catches this ball and goes for a touchdown it's all of a sudden like wow we've got this young stud and it's like it's like nothing's changed and we've got this absolute young guy that's going to be maybe even the savior or the guy that can replace Devontae Adams and maybe he gets the ball a bunch more times and has a massive game and they keep scoring and because they have all this momentum with the first first play of the season the touchdown it's like we only end up with seven points and it's just so difficult to imagine how that could be the case. But that's the way the games go. Even in that Saints game last year, week one, we were very much in that game for a large majority of the time. And we played well for a good portion of that game as well in a lot of ways. But then just things would go wrong, whether it was these interceptions that occurred or the Packers would get an interception, but a penalty calls it back or just these little things. Like, And it's just 
they would get this drive going, and then Rodgers throws the pick behind Devontae and right near the goal line. And those are the things that would just derail us, and it's those little plays here and there that can make the difference of a game being a win and and a 38-3 to loss. And that's really all it is. Just a couple plays can go from being a victory for Green Bay to a giant loss. And this was somewhere in between where we only lost by 16 points, but it felt like a, lo- a game that we were losing the whole time, but we always had a chance to get back in, I felt like, too, and we just never capitalized on that. I think I think we played a lot better yesterday than we did against the Saints in Week 1. I, the Saints week, week 1, I think you're misremembering that. We were bad that game. No one came to play. We, we, we put together no, one drive. Were... We put together one no. drive, which was the pick behind Devontae. Anything outside of that was complete garbage, and we couldn't move the ball. That wasn't the case. That wasn't the case on Sunday. We put together, I think, two drives where I'm, things look good. Mostly defensively is where I'm. Mostly defensively is what I'm referring to. No, with that dude. Game defensively, they walked up and down us constantly. The Saints did, and that was wasn't the case against the. To change the game. I just watched this game, Griff, two days ago. Before this game, there were many opportunities to make plays, many opportunities to change the game, and have it turn around to a point where we could get back in it. We could have made it 17-7. We could have made it 17, you know what I mean, and where we where the game changes after that. But every single time those opportunities came, they didn't go in our favor, and then the Saints added another touchdown. And then when it got to a point where it was so late that they just kept scoring and it ended up getting to 38. We had a chance to win that game probably in the third quarter or at least get back in it to a point where we could compete. But it didn't happen, obviously, and then it gets out of hand, and that's how the games go. But this was a similar situation to me, just – Vikings didn't score as much. I think this game was a lot closer, is what I'm saying. It, it was 17 nothing at halftime. The Saints game was 17-3. to But I think this game was a lot closer because really the defense, they had a few terrible, terrible drives. They had a few terrible, terrible plays where they had broken coverages and Justin Jefferson was able to run wide open. But everything outside of that, man, it really wasn't that bad. We were able to contain everything else outside of those big plays to Jefferson really well. And when we had plays where it was just standard offense without all the the window dressing without the motions and the play action which caused a lot of confusion in the secondary and at the second level um when we were just when the vikings would go five wide and just take a clean snap on like third and seven the coverage was really tight kenny clark and rashawn gary were pressuring Kirk cousins he had to get the ball out quick and we forced a few incompletions and that's the defense that i was expecting to see the entire game the problem is that the Vikings are just good, man. Like, they're just a good team. And I don't know. I, I think if we play this game again, it's closer. Just because things went wrong in this game that I wouldn't expect to go wrong later on this season. But um, just this offense is very good. Obviously, it's it's everywhere in the NFL all of a sudden. We just watched the Broncos game, Braun. They've got Nathaniel Hackett running these same exact plays. Half the league is running these plays. With the, it all comes from the Shanahan McVay coaching tree, and it's just such a hard offense to defend. When you have to think about the run, you have to think about the the trick looks, you have to think about the end arounds and the jet sweeps, and then you also have to cover Justin Jefferson. And it really irritates me because we used to have that with Devontae. And now that we don't have that, obviously things are just a lot harder, and the offense it doesn't run as smoothly when we don't have the guy that we can put in motion. Here's another thing that I want to talk about, Ron. Uh, a lot of people are talking about why didn't we just match Jair 
on Justin Jefferson. I brought this up during the game myself because I was very irritated. But it's so hard to do. It's easy to say that when you're just watching it, but it's so hard to do that when you're going up against an offense like this because think about how we used to use Devontae Adams. He w- he lined up everywhere. He was in the slot. He was number three in the slot. He was number two from the sideline, or he was on the boundary. He was everywhere, and there's no way that you could just put, like when we played the Rams, he and Jalen Ramsey only went up against each other a handful of times in both of those games. Because it's so hard to just stick your best cornerback on a receiver like that when he can play from anywhere. It's not like DeAndre Hopkins who just plays on the sideline. It's a lot more like Cooper Cup. He does the same thing in a similar offense. So it's really hard unless, like Matt LaFleur said this today as well, unless you want to commit to man coverage the entire game, you cannot just say... Okay, Jair, follow follow uh, follow Justin Jefferson everywhere because then you're going to end up a situation where you've got Devondre Campbell on the sideline or something like that just by the nature of it. So I, I think there is a complaint to be made in the plays where we did run man coverage, and I I don't think Jair and Jefferson had one route against each other. Even when we did run some man coverage, and even in those man coverage snaps, Stokes was on Jefferson, and Jair was on either Thielen or number 17. I have no idea who number 17 is. K.J. Osborne. K.J. Osborne, yes. Jair was on K.J. Osborne or Adam Thielen. So in those plays, like, yeah, why are we not putting our guy who we just gave a billion dollars to on their best player? And I think there is there that is a reason to be upset with Joe Barry, but... Overall, it's a hard defense. It's a hard offense to defend. You know, Griff, you're right. And the thing that I told you during the game is why. And I, I, I understand what Matt Lafleur is saying, but then you have to start talking about a philosophy adjustment because why are you putting these guys in position to fail? Like we know, Jair over the years has has had more trouble with Adam Thielen than any other receiver in the National Football League for whatever reason. Maybe it's just a matchup thing, body size, physicality, whatever it is. Jair has been given more problems by Thielen than anybody. And that was the majority of the game, the matchup. And then, of course, you have when Rasul's in playing the slot or whatever. And then you've got Stokes, our most inexperienced of the corners. And probably, you know, maybe the worst of the three, although they're all... I would call him the worst. Pro Bowl caliber. I would call him the worst. Based on what we saw, yes, based on what we've seen, I would call him the worst of the three even though they're all great. Um, and then Justin Jefferson has kind of just taken him to school. So it really isn't uh, – you have to make an adjustment. Where Where is the adjustment? You can't just let these guys rock with what they're doing and, and have them in bad positions to suffer and, and cost us many points. And those are the kind of things that need to be changed on the fly quickly. They need to figure out what it takes to win the game, not stick to the game plan. A lot of the times that's the fault of many – uh, coaches and it's the you know one of those errors that it's almost the stubbornness of that coaching just the profession is the stubbornness and, and you have to be able to adjust based on what is necessary for the team as opposed to trying to make sure your philosophy stays locked into the core and just trying to make that work you have to be adjustable you have to be adaptable and flexible especially with these human beings that are playing cornerback and the history of what they've done you know their strengths. Utilize them to their strengths as opposed to trying to pigeonhole them into these spaces that have cost us many points over the years with Mike Pettin, and now and now it's showing its face here with Joe Barry. I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. And I think that maybe you even come into the game with a different philosophy rather than changing on the fly. And I don't even think this is just hindsight being 2020 because there is precedent for Eric Stokes having a lot of trouble 
with Justin Jefferson. Uh, week 11 last year, Justin Jefferson absolutely annihilated Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes had easily the worst game of his rookie season. And so I don't know why you wouldn't come into this game saying, all right, let's just avoid that. Let's let's keep number 21 off of Justin Jefferson. Let's put Jair. Like, you know how teams used to treat us with Devontae? Like how Baltimore treated Devontae last year where they had two guys lined up over him, literally like half the snaps. They literally just said, why did, why did we not come into this game? with the entire secondary pointing at 18 on every play and saying, all right, there he is, there he is. Because he came open on two busted coverages, which were, I believe, I'm not an expert, but I believe they were on the safeties. One of them, Adrian Amos, was just... The safeties had a terrible game. Safeties played some terrible football. They did. one of the more surprising parts because they don't even have to deal with the... They don't have to deal with the talent of Justin Jefferson right away as much. They have time to diagnose and... And see where the where the ball is going to be going, and also make sure that he's not going to leak out and get on his own. They they know to keep an eye on Jefferson, and they have the best point of view to do so and make a play, but they just weren't doing it. And and to me, when you're <laughs> the the first, like you said, with Eric Stokes, like if the issue is like you know they have to pigeonhole these guys, then at least play Stokes inside because they've practiced with him playing inside before. And if they're going to do that and have them stay in one spot for the whole game or keep these guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Why not just have Stokes play inside and have Rasul play outside and try his thing with Justin Jefferson. And then when Stokes, when, you know, when Justin Jefferson moves inside, then Stokes will see it. But you know what I mean? It, it gives them a little bit more variability at least to not have to worry about it as much because I think Rasul would have done a better job against Jefferson, especially on the boundary. And I think so Stokes too. Stokes go to work inside and then have the the linebackers help him there to me that would have made more sense I think so too I think Rasul has the athleticism to match what Jefferson brings and the IQ the football IQ and experience yeah I just wish they would have had a plan at all for Justin Jefferson which it really seemed like they didn't it really seemed like they were treating him like just another wide receiver one just another wide receiver really it, it, like they weren't treating him any different than they were treating Adam Thielen, who was also a very good player, and that's why that's why the Vikings are just so good. Like it's crazy that they haven't been good these past few years, probably because Kirk Cousins is the most Kirk Cousins quarterback of all time. But even Kirk, man, I have to give it to him. He made some throws. He made some throws when they were there. And when you think about this offense, you think about the Jimmy Garoppolo's, you think about the Jared Goffs, you think about like Matt Ryan, what he was able to do. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it makes sense that he's going to be good in this offense. But um, anyway, back to Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Adrian Amos was caught flat-footed on the the first broken coverage. That was maybe the worst play I've ever seen him make. That was that was one of the only times I've ever seen Adrian Amos make or not make a play in this case. That left me saying, "What are you doing, dude? What are you doing?" And then Darnell Savage, man, I don't know what what year is he in? He's in his fourth year, right? He's in his mm-hmm. fourth year. I don't know. I don't know if maybe he's hit his ceiling, but I just... Yeah, these safeties had a rough game. They both had their lowest PFF grades of their entire career, both in the 20s. It, it was not, not a wow. pretty game for them. But you know, like I said, when there were there were plays where when the Vikings actually spread it out and played a traditional offense where our defense did look good. So I'm confident that against a, uh, against a team with not as much talent as the Vikings have, uh, like the Chicago Bears next week, we're probably going to see a, a lot better performance. Against a different team, we're probably going to see, even against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have as much talent, if not more talent, but just because it's more of a spread-it-out offense, I think our defense is much better suited to succeed in that scenario 
than they are against this offense. Yeah, and to me, though, like when you talk about the Vikings, I don't know how good they really are yet. I mean, they beat us, but the Saints beat us 38-3 to last year and then didn't play well for much And you know what? That could very well sure. happen here. That could so happen here. I could see here. the Vikings getting blown out by the Eagles this week, and but, I, could, I, I wouldn't be shocked. That would only happen because Kirk Cousins. Like... They on paper they have they have a good team and it makes sense that they were able to put score and this is this is the other thing guys you gotta remember this it feels like the sky is falling it feels like they walked up and down the court on us but they scored twenty three points they scored twenty three points true. the entire game I mean it, come on Greg Olson is on the commentary talking about by the way Greg Olson phenomenal I Whoa. think he is I think he is a great great broadcaster um but he's talking about what? like Greg Olson what I think he's a great broadcaster. I thought, was, I thought he was atrocious, frankly. Oh, what are you listening to, man? He he diagnoses the game so well. I love I, hearing him so talk not, about the I'm game. not saying he's exclusively bad, but he just says some things that just really, like, what are you saying, dude? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess. They all I gotta, do, though. I got to I gotta hear him a little more, though. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about like that Chris next Chris Collinsworth podcast. the other day, he said that a guy was not as young as he used to be, which is like, what? <laughs> Like, I'm, I don't know. The commentary is just... That I is hate, something I that would annoy most you. of the commentary. Yeah, it, <laughs> it did annoy me, so... Yeah. But, but anyway... that I like. Greg Olson is talking about how this, this Vikings, they had a perfect game, and they had a perfect game plan, and it looks... This coach is going to be a success, and it's like, okay, yeah, maybe. They scored 23 points, all right? And I think that it is... I wouldn't call this game a defensive success by any means, but I think that... I, I think that they played a lot better than most people think they did. One thing we really haven't hit on yet that may have been one of the most important reasons as to why we lost that football game was the pass protection just being exclusively terrible in every way. Uh, I, I don't understand what the decision was to put Jake Hansen in the lineup. Um, then again, that made no sense, know, dude. There's just other guys that I would tra- I would rather have out there. Zach Tom was one of them, but he didn't play particularly great. He played better than Hanson did, but I wouldn't say he played special in any way. Uh, but it, they just all looked like a collective bad unit out there. And the problem is, too, when you don't have guys like David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins out there, um, it makes it a little harder and more unsettling for every one of those guys because not only do they have to make sure they do their job, but they don't have the assurance that guys aren't going to come past them to go get air. And so they kind of have to keep their eyes wrapped around to make sure that there aren't guys running past them. And then they can't even get their job done with the guys in front of them. So it's just a challenge. And Rodgers was unsettled the whole time, and he said so too. But, man, it is just difficult. They need David back, and he would be just – how disappointing would it be to not have him back for this week because he was so <laughs> close to playing this week. He was so close. Same thing with Elton. I feel like if both come back this week, then we'll feel really good. We can kind of hit the ground running with those guys at the bookend tackle spots. Then get our O-line kind of back. If it's not Runyon, maybe it's Tom. And then we've got Myers and, you know, whoever they put at guard. Like, at least we'll have the tackles then because Rodgers will be confident enough to stand in the pocket and not have to worry about guys coming from his blind side and whacking him within one second of the ball being snapped. Yeah. Yeah, and there were plays, I thought, where in the run game, there were plays where I thought it was blocked up nicely. There were a couple big gains on the ground. Not big gains, but a couple gains on the ground that were blocked up nicely. So, thinking about getting our tackles back, and David Bakhtiari, like, I'm going to quit assuming that we're even going to get him back at all, because I'm so sick of it. I thought he was going to play today, or yesterday. 
thought he was going to play, and what do you know? He's questionable on Friday, didn't practice, and he didn't play. So it is what it is with Bakhtiari. I'm I'm going to assume that – I'm just – for the sake of my own mental health, I'm going to assume that he's not playing. But um, Elton is going to be huge because – just the athleticism that he brings. He, you can put him in at any position. But Zach Tom, I don't know how Zach Tom isn't one of our best five offensive linemen, which is what Matt LaFleur always says. We, we watched him at training camp, Ron. We were there. Saw with our own eyes. Our own eyes. I don't know why you think that, or not you, but I don't know why Matt LaFleur thinks that Jake Hansen is one of the best five guys. I don't, I don't know. And I don't think that he played very well, uh, Jake Hansen. So um, we'll see how that looks this week. Uh, if Elton and David can't go, but hopefully they can. But yeah, you're right. The pass protection was really just not good enough. It was not good enough at all, especially in the in the game script, how the game went. It was not good enough for us to put together any kind of comeback. And I'm I'm honestly surprised that we we scored any points at all because there were times where like it was like everything we were trying to do, we just couldn't block it up. And we didn't. Rogers doesn't have guys that he can trust. Obviously, these guys are all young. Sammy Watkins leads this team in snaps, or leads the receiver group in snaps, 41 snaps. He's a first-year player. He did not do anything. He caught a couple passes. Um, Christian Watson was second, which was actually surprising for a guy who didn't play any preseason games, was held out of training camp for the, the entire camp that was open to the public, I believe. He got the second most snaps of any receiver. Romeo was third, or Cobb was third, Romeo was fourth. So these are guys other than Cobb that Rodgers just has absolutely no real live game snaps with. So it makes sense that things were a little shaky on that front. And then there were plays where guys were coming open, but we just couldn't block it up. You know, so that's another reason why I'm not so down after this game because we, I'm assuming that at least we're gonna get Elton Jenkins back at some point, hopefully this week. So that's gonna go a little bit better. And the chemistry, there's nowhere to go but up. You know, like this is only ever gonna get better. The, every snap matters with Aaron Rodgers. That drop by Christian Watson, that matters for his growth. That matters for his development. Maybe he just needed to get one out of his system, and it was the first play of his entire career. Oh God, can you imagine if he caught that? He'd be able to take that yeah. to the grave. First play of his NFL career, 75-yard touchdown. That would be nuts, dude. It, it sucks. Now now is the first play of his career is a 75-yard touchdown drop. So, But maybe he just needed to get one out of his system. He did really look like MVS on that play. And uh, I had a similar t- reaction, you know. Like, I, oh, God, it hurts. Those kind of drops really hurt. But all of, all of these snaps matter with these receivers, and like I said, there's nowhere. The, it's only going to get better, Rodgers' relationship with these guys. And there were plays like the scramble drill where just no one really... Rodgers isn't used to not having anyone who knows what to do on those plays, and that's going to get better. And so overall, I don't think this game is the end of the world. Teams lose games, you know? Teams lose games. This is what that was. Not bad, Griff. Yeah, I feel like that's a loss. It is a loss. We know that. But it just sucks to come. This is always a rough feeling to have everybody thinking we're done for after one week because it's the biggest overreactions happen after this week because you assume this is how the team's going to play for the rest of the year. And then it never happens like that. Um, but, yeah, it, we always have a tough week one when, when I guess, not, not always, but these past two. Uh, starting to get used to it, I guess. But <laughs> hopefully we win. And it sucks, too, not being able to be, like, 4-0, 5-0, 6 I know, right? It sucks that we, we can't hope for the undefeated season. That's what sucks most. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're 0-1. We, gotta, we have a loss on our belt already. No, I mean, when you trade Devontae Adams, I didn't really have any hope for that. But uh, No, but it's always the excitement. 
Yeah, so he's the so oh four and oh four and oh. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So basically, now all we have hope for is just to be good again, and we have to hope that happens against Chicago, which is a good opportunity to get back and have Rogers take out his anger and his frustration, and hopefully these guys come to play because this is what happens now, Griff. Because if we lose next week. It is a troublesome sight. Yeah, next week all of a sudden. To say the least. It means then a lot. all of a sudden we're down two games in the division, and we lost both those games to the division rivals, which, my goodness, that would be bad. It would be painful for my psyche. It would be a bad situation to be in as a football team. And this schedule doesn't get much easier because week three, you know who we got? <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Oh, my gosh. And this team is so good my in Florida, opinion. as we all know. And then we got Patriots yeah. at home, Giants in London, Jets at home off the, the, the flight to London. So, yeah, this, this schedule is going to be a little bit tough, but um, I'm oh. confident. <laughs> I'm con- But, yeah, this Bears game, it does mean a lot. Definitely means a lot. I'm looking forward, as long as we win this game against the Bears, really looking forward to that game against Tampa because that's going to be a fun one, and I really want to get some revenge on Tom Brady's Buccaneers. Mm, yes. Yes, Tom Brady. That'd didn't... be a great way to kickstart the uh, – that'd be a great way to kickstart the Packers are back in the Super Bowl, you know, eyes of everybody, back in front of the Super Bowl hunt. And uh, that's – I mean – that's what it's all about, right? Getting back in that feeling of as a fan and, and as a team, the roster around you. You beat a team like Tampa Bay week three, that's how you kickstart uh, everything you want to be as a team. You start to surround yourself with the ideas of championship culture. And we are a, a team that needs to establish that, even though you know it's a lot of the same guys. It's a lot of young guys, too. And we got to establish that championship culture within these young guys in order to bring the best out of them. What did you think of Aaron Rodgers' performance? Not his best, and it's not surprising. Um, but he, you know, when things around him are chaotic and unsettled, it's going to make him not play as well. And that's just the nature of how it's gone in these last two week one games. The interception, he looks like he really overcompensated for the fact that he was going to his left and kind of throwing opposite side. He overcompensated for that and kind of long balled it to Cobby. Then Harrison Smith, kind of just the bigger guy, jumped up and grabbed it before Cobb could. It would have been over Cobb's head to the point where Cobb would have had to grab it with his hands, but Smith jumped over, kind of plucked it. Um, and then you look at just some of the throws. I mean, he made he looked sharp at times. There were drives where Griff, you know, we would talk in between the drives, and I thought he looked sharp. He looked like he hadn't lost a beat. And every year you wonder, like, because he is getting older every year, obviously, and you start to wonder, like, is this the year, you know, that maybe you start to see a little bit of a decline? But I don't think that's an issue at all. I think he looks sharp as ever. Um, you know, everything everything looks sharp, basically. He looks like the MVP still. Uh, just, you know, tough game. It's just the way, of the, the way it is. This happened last year, and then he went on to win MVP. He played worse last year, even. Two interceptions. Much less, you know, produ- productivity on offense. And this yeah. game, like you said, a little bit better all around on the offensive side and a little bit better, obviously, on the defense, too, the way that they only allowed 23 compared to 38. But um, you look at it from a Rodgers standpoint, not his best game, obviously, but certainly uh, there's a lot to build on, I guess, in, in the <laughs> way that they they just had nothing going. So there's just so much to, you know, they have so much room to, to grow and it's just a lot of all those guys were new except Cobb, like you said, and, and Tunyon came back from his injury, got his legs under him a little bit. 
Looked like he had, you know, he still has work to do in that regard. So just a lot of moving parts, and um, I think that over time this is going to get better. Yeah, I've seen people comparing his performance to week one of last year against the Saints, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I don't think it was like that at all. Last year against the Saints, he looked jittered. He looked like he like he just gave up on the game too early and he was just chucking it around. He was playing within the system yesterday against the Vikings. He was hitting the flat like like he did in his MVP seasons, in his best games of his MVP seasons when he's playing in rhythm. He was getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, his worst plays came when he was just hanging on to the ball for too long. You know, he probably should have accounted that he has three backups playing on the offensive line or at, le- or at least three players out of position. So he probably should have gotten the ball out on those plays a little bit uh, a little bit sooner. And uh, and the fumble at the start of the second half was really not ideal. That kind of that was one of the nails in the coffin, you know, that fumble. Um, really could have used points on that drive. And the pick before halftime, that was that, we've seen that we've seen that brand of interception from Aaron Rodgers so many times just the arm punt when you're losing like right before halftime and he's going to take a chance we've seen that a million times from Aaron but yeah throwing the ball I thought he looked really sharp especially the short areas of the field when he was just taking the snap three-step drop and ripping it to the flat that throw to Sammy Watkins I clipped it on my Instagram page like that just the release it's crazy just flicks it and puts it like right in front of him AJ Dillon out of the backfield man He's he's looking better every season. He's looking like a like not Christian McCaffrey, but he's looking like a Christian McCaffrey type of player. The way he's able to catch the ball in the flat and just turn it upfield. Like I you if you told me that he would be that kind of player come uh, when we drafted him coming out of Boston, I never would have believed you. But it's crazy the development he's made in the passing game. Well, Griff, if you remember when we interviewed him in his rookie season, he told us we asked him about catching the football, and he said. His exact words were, and we were his first interview, so we knew this at the time, he just was not asked to do it at Boston College, and he said he could do it. He probably needs to work on it at the NFL level, but he just never did it at Boston College. So we now come to see that he works on it, and he's practicing it, and he's getting better every year because now he's doing it on a daily basis with the team, and he looks great, and he turns some of those plays that looked like they could have been one- or two-yard gains into seven- or eight-yard gains turning up field, avoiding tacklers, pushing the pile in the running game and in the passing game. He is a weapon of weapons, and him and Aaron Jones both. It's so hard because this offense with Aaron Rodgers, they want to throw the football. Matt LaFleur really wants to throw the football, but their two best players truly are those two running backs On the, in terms of the offensive weapons that they have. It's those right. two guys. They are going to have to get really creative with how they use them in order to kind of maximize what Rodgers can do throwing the football down the field and making sure those guys get, A, enough touches, and B, the maximum capacity to be able to move the ball downfield and stretch the field with the receivers. They have to find the right mix for that, and and it starts with those two guys, but they also have to make sure that they can still really move the ball downfield, basically. They can't just dink and dunk to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon all day because that's just not, not enough. They need to find a way to be able to maximize the stretching of the field and I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's certainly a challenge, and that's what Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have to figure out. And they're going to have to work on that this week and pretty much the next few weeks until they kind of find something that clicks and works. Yeah, and I they were trying to do that. They were Rodgers was hitting the flat, hitting the flat, hitting the flat, and then he'd go seven-step drop. And this is when you've got Christian Watson on a double move. And there's just not enough time. There's just not the the, the the protection wasn't holding up against the front with Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. Like you you're gonna need a solid three and a half seconds 
um, to get these routes to open up, and that was obviously not there. So it was just a recipe for disaster, quite frankly. And I wonder if we come into this game and are able to control the game flow, if we're able to have one of those games where we get up early, we score first, and we control the tempo. Maybe we do have a game plan centered around 28 and 33, a little bit more than we did. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. The ball needs to get in their hands. Is As Aaron always says, they are two of the best 11 that we have on offense. So um, we definitely need to see a lot more of them. Aaron Jones, eight touches. I don't know. I know that doesn't really bug you, but I, I would like to see. He's the best play offensive player that we have. He's one of the best offensive players in the league, and he's hard to bring down. So is A.J. Dillon, of course, but Aaron, Di Aaron Jones is in a different way. So I feel like we should just be creating ways to get the ball in his hands. Yeah, I agree, Griff. All right, let's move on to some fan questions. We both have some here. Um, this first one is from C. Walsh 431 He says, I feel like when Rodgers is at his best, he gets rid of the ball quick. Is it his receiver's fault? Griff, what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. I would agree with that. I think Rodgers is a great facilitator. I think when he is um, getting the snap, reading, getting rid of it, rather than dancing especially in his later years, that is when he's at his best. Um, I don't know what this question is really asking, though, about the receivers. It's Well, he thinks, like, I don't know if he's saying, like, is it really the receiver's fault or is it or is it the receiver's fault? Like, is he asking? But that is, that is an interesting question. When Rodgers is getting the ball out quick, that usually, I mean, when is that going on? When Devontae's open and when that's the first <laughs> Yeah, and when Devontae, when the best receiver to, in football is on our team. <laughs> The problem now is like when you want Aaron Rodgers to go through his progressions, that's everybody that's what everybody's hoping for now that Devontae's gone, that he's gonna go through his progressions, right? Well that takes time, I guess, is the yeah. only way to put it. And that's that's right. the reason why he wasn't getting the ball out quick on Sunday. And, and he he was getting but, the ball out quick. He was on, at times, but like in, in when you know, when he's making yeah, he was taking sacks. a little bit or whatever. Yeah, he was taking he sacks. Has to, he was taking sacks and when you when you have to go through your progressions when you can't just hit Devontae on the first look that's when those things start to come into play where the maybe the more sacks will come because if your first read is Sammy Watkins and he's not open and then your second read is Randall Cobb in the middle of the field and he's not open, then you're getting sacked all of a sudden because Jake Hansen's in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well said. There's your answer. There's your answer. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, what, you know what throw I loved? The third and four in the first quarter. You're going to remember this. Third and four Kavi? in the first quarter to Kavi. Just like that was such a three steps. Play. He looks, just spits it out, and Cobb just catches it and falls backward. How do you have Cobb the confidence so to throw that ball? On third down. There's nobody it's better like, in the league than Cobb on third down. On third down? It's position. crazy. First and second down, so forget about it. He shouldn't even be on the field. <laughs> but third okay, down. that's enough. <laughs> that's third down, he turns into prime Randall Cobb for whatever reason. Just the most clutch plays always. But he's so good at like making sure that he gets that first down marker and does everything he can like to just get the ball down and just get that yardage. He's so clutch. He's a sharp route runner. He, to me, he's a good player, and you continue to dog on him like. I, I'm ways, not dogging on Cobby. I'm not. I love Cobby. You, you know, I love Cobby. You love him so much that you just requested that he sit on first and second down. <laughs> I was joking mostly, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Cobb, <laughs> Cobb, especially in this receiver room, Cobb needs to be on the freaking field. 
Um, <laughs> but th- there was another play. I, you're going to remember this play too, I'm sure, where Rodgers got sacked. I think this was the Zedarius on Jake Hansen play where Cobb is just breaking open over the middle. Oh, it was third down. Open, yeah. yeah, and yeah. then Rodgers is just getting there and gets sacked. Oh. He was a little behind the first yard, first down yard line, so I'm not sure if he would have gotten it or not by the time Rodgers right got after that the out. Catch. He also didn't yeah. get it out. So There was no one on that side of the field, so it would have been a first down. Um, yeah. uh, here I go here, okay? This is from, uh, here I go here. Dylan <laughs> underscore RCO. Hope I said that right. He asks, why can't this team respond when they get punched in the face first? And you know what? This got me thinking, Bron. This got me thinking. That that is a that is an opinion that most people have about the Packers, including including myself. I've thought not to single Dylan out here. I I've thought this about this team as well. But when you really go into it, I feel like that's really a myth. I feel like that's not the case. Like Matt Lafleur has lost 14 games in his career, like I said, and I would say only five of them did we get punched in the face first and just never come back from that. And I, to single those games out would be 2019 at the LA Chargers. Do you remember that game? We didn't score a point until the fourth quarter. We were down 26-3 to exactly, late yeah. in the fourth quarter. Uh, we got smacked in the face, 19, at San Francisco, the regular season, week 12. We didn't put up – we were down 23 nothing. We got smacked in the face in the NFC Championship game against that same 49ers team. That game was embarrassing, 27 nothing. We were down in the third quarter. That was just never a chance, right? Um, and then we got smacked in the face week four or week five against Tampa Bay. We were down, and even in that game, we were up 10 nothing. So, eh, I don't know. I feel like that maybe that could have been winnable if things went a little bit differently. And then every other, and then obviously week one last year against the Saints, I would say we got smacked in the face that game as well. But every other single loss has been very winnable, including this last game, including this game against Minnesota. It was very winnable. We, we brought it within, it was 20-7 to with five minutes left in the third quarter. That is a 13-point game. Like, this game could have been won. And as Roger said at the press conference, the fourth down goal line stand by Minnesota with a handoff to A.J. Dillon. By the way, haven't even talked about that play call. I really despise that play call. But Roger said that he could have pulled it and walked in. So let's imagine a world where he does that. And let's also imagine a world where Christian Watson catches that catches that 75-yard touchdown. We're talking about a completely different ball game, and then we kick a game-winning field goal on the last possession where we went for it on 4th and 1 and didn't get it. Um, and then we have other close games like the one at Indianapolis in 2020 where MVS fumbles in overtime. Like we uh, or even uh, last year against Minnesota, we, were, we lost 31-34. to Could have won that game. And I did the math on this one as well. In games where we are down by double gi- digits at any point in the game, since Matt LaFleur got hired, we are 4-8. and eight. And one of those is including the Jordan Love game. And that game was winnable, too. Um, so Aaron Rodgers with Matt LaFleur is 4-7 and seven in games where he goes down by double digits. And I feel like that's not as bad as a lot of people think it is. Wow. That was great. That's really good. I did some preparation right. on that one. Yeah, clearly. But it was great. And, <laughs> you know, it's true because 4-7... and seven, that to be down by double digits and still win four out of those 11 is not terrible. It's not. It's definitely not to the extent that many say. You know, once this team gets you know scored on a little bit, they can't come back. We've seen right. It and we won't everyone do it again. everyone thinks that of the Packers. Everyone thinks that like you just got to get up on us and it's the the game's over and we're not we get off script and we can't come back. Like everyone thinks that about the Packers, but it's really not true. Of Matt Lafleur's 14 losses, I would say five of them we got embarrassed. The other nine were extremely winnable, and we're a few plays away from being a W. Okay, Griff, let's move on to a little bit. Of, there's a lot of sentiment regarding, you know, what went wrong with the defense, who's to blame. So I'm going to ask you this from JNEMS10. 
He says, not sure if it's the DC calls or blown coverage, but it needs to get fixed. So exactly what what is it, Griff? Who's to blame, first of all? Um, what do we do about it? How do we change it for the better against some of these other teams? Chicago's a good place to start because of the inexperience at quarterback and the lack of weapons. It's a good place to you know kind of flaunt our talent that we have over that team. We really should shut them out, frankly. If, if we are who we say we are or who we are, we are who we think they are, why should they score any points on us, right? But, you know, that's not the way the league works mostly. So what, uh, what, what, who's to blame and how can we fix it and how are we going to go about winning next week? Yeah, I would, I would more so blame it on blown coverages because, you know, maybe I would like to see a little bit more man coverage called, especially with the talent we have at the cornerback position. But it's a zone league, man. All these all these best defenses are, are running zone defense because that's what shuts down offenses the best. Mostly. Most of the time. Really wasn't the case yesterday because of the blown coverages. And a lot of that was due to the, the poor play of the safeties. So they have got to play better. Um, Joe Barry, as for Joe Barry, you know, like we already talked about, I would have come into this game with a little bit different game plan for specifically Justin Jefferson. I would have had an idea of how I want to... Uh, limit his production, which I, I'm not sure if Joe Barry had any kind of plan for that. Um, but they've I never would... had the, this is Devontae's the only one in the league that's ever been doing what Justin Jefferson is Devontae now. Like he is, and that sounds crazy, but like he is, you have to, you have to specifically like figure it out around him. There's literally nobody else. I'm not going to include any other receiver in that conversation, but they, they again. Joe Barry hasn't had to do that as a defensive coordinator because he has Devontae Adams on his football team. Jefferson has evolved into this guy that now they need to start treating like Devontae in terms of he will take over the game if you play your defense normally because he just he just beats every man in coverage. And whether it's zone, he's just he's making it difficult because everybody's looking at him and there's a bunch of other guys on the field that aren't getting looked at either and, and somehow he's still making those plays. So it's just too complicated, and they have to start changing things. But we'll, I think Joe Barry's defense and the way that the talent is, is lined up, the roster we have, I think it will have success against pretty much almost every other team. So I'm not sure how much they really need to change, but against Justin Jefferson's Vikings, uh, when we play them again later this year, you probably have to look at something a little different. Closer to what other teams were doing against Devontae Adams is probably what they should be looking at next time they play Minnesota. What is it with these Vikings receivers? Adam Thielen, how many games has he had where he just completely embarrasses us? Stephon Diggs back in the day, every time he played us, he used to embarrass us. Now Justin Jefferson. But yeah, I think it really has to do with the offense, and they did such a great job. It was almost every single play Jefferson was in motion, because no matter what kind, no matter who we had on him, when they lined up, they were going to get into the look that they wanted. And there were a couple. Uh, there was one play where Preston Smith was lined up on Jefferson. And, um, yeah, you can imagine See, how I don't went. even – one play, it doesn't really bother me. Like, everybody's so, like, furious over that. No, I don't, think, I don't think anyone's things... furious about it. I think it's just funny. So, I think it's yes, just yeah, so funny. People were like, oh, this again. Like, I mean, one play, it's just like some like sometimes the outside linebacker has to shift into coverage when a receiver motions. It's just like the way yeah. it is. It's just the way it is. There's not much yeah. they can do. It's just sometimes and that's the that's good on the it's not bad on Joe Barry. It's good on Minnesota. Exactly, you know exactly. I mean? That's, that's exactly. that they just schemed it up in a perfect way to get what they wanted, and that's offense in this league. So I'm not mad at Joe Barry really at all. It's just about you know, are they they have to change their philosophy based on what the players 
that they're playing against are able to do. And Justin Jefferson can do the things that Devontae does in terms of drawing enough attention, beating double teams. They have to figure things out to a point where they have to start game planning around Justin Jefferson and not just the Vikings offense. And think about this too. They they scored two touchdowns, right? They scored two touchdowns the entire game. Like, the defense did not play that bad. Outside of the touchdown drives, the Vikings went punt, punt, field goal, punt, field goal, punt, field goal, punt. This was not a bad defensive performance. They held them to four and a half yards per rush on the ground. That's pretty average. It felt like more. That's not terrible. It felt like more, but it's not that bad. You know what really bothered me when, like, you know, I guess it's kind of like garbage time, if you will, but, like, when Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison are rushing for these first downs, like just went like even just to get the ball back to give the offense another possession, it's just like nope, Dalvin's gonna actually run for 11 yards to just get the first down anyway. It's like these I don't know if those guys just weren't trying at that point, but like it's very aggravating. And I, I, for some reason, more often than not, maybe it's just the ones that are most painful that you remember. But I'm remembering more of the five yard, six yard, seven yard carries. Then yeah. maybe I then maybe there really were, but to me I just it wasn't good enough. Even if four and a half's not good enough with this defense that we have. I don't care if it's Dalvin Cook. We should have been manhandling that offensive line of Minnesota because we have so much talent on the defensive line. I don't even care that Minnesota's offensive line has gotten better and a little more experienced and the guys that they've got are, you know what I mean, starting to gel. Bradbury, these guys like these guys are getting better. They've made some additions, whatever. That's we should be winning these games, especially you know in terms of the front and and what they're doing in in the front man five. We should be beating them, and and just it wasn't happening. So that's something that has to change moving forward. We have a better defensive line than they do an offensive line, and it wasn't that that wasn't clearly apparent at all on Sunday, and it needs to be moving forward. Yeah, Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark they brought it, but. Uh, Preston yeah. Smith had a nice plays in the run game that I can remember, but what really sucks is when one of the outside linebackers goes out and we got to bring in Jonathan Garvin. God, because that is ah. just that is a recipe for five seconds in the pocket for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like just no one even near him. Ugh. Just it's yeah. that football, that kind of football is what really sucks when you're just watching the opposing quarterback just sit there with all day and it's like God. Ugh. Yeah, there's nothing worse than when the D-line, or even, you know, whether it's the interior or the outside guys, nothing worse than when they just can't get pressure and they're getting stood up. And it's just like, <laughs> they're well, all just getting he's pushed just around. Find somebody here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, you thought it was easy before. Now you have all the time in the world for Justin Jefferson to turn up field and hit him deep, and then they would, and it's just like, well. Yeah, and that's that what happened great. on one of the plays, on the on the first busted coverage. That was just, yeah. Kirk Cousins just the had first. all day. He was able to move up and... uh. Just fire away, yeah. Was that the first um, or the sixth busted coverage? <laughs> uh, well, some injuries we could discuss because I just got a question from Viper19366 asking about Quay Walker, and it looks like there's some hope that he's going to be able to go this Sunday in Chicago, which would be massive because Chris Barnes, who did receive some good news, looks like he's only going to be out for maybe a month-ish, but he does not have a torn ACL. He has a high ankle sprain and some kind of other small knee issue. I forget what it was. But uh, that would leave Devondre Campbell and Isaiah McDuffie only. But it would be great to have Quay back. That way they at least have their two starters in, um, which that's important. Because Quay, who we haven't talked about, I thought looked like a very quality 
NFL linebacker in just his first game. Although there were some miscues, I felt like his tackling ability, his pursuit, his speed, especially in terms of the run game, he looked very sharp. Now he's going to have to figure out, and that's going to come with time. It was his first game, but in coverage, his responsibilities, kind of filling those zones a little better, shifting to where there's going to be leakage in terms of the middle of the field in the passing game with these zones, right? He has to do better at that, but I thought being at his first NFL game, I was impressed. Yeah, I thought he had a pretty okay game. There were definitely plays where he flashed, where he flashed a lot, and you saw the player like that you're hoping he can be uh, eventually at some point in his career. But yeah, there were a few plays where he, he could have gotten deeper in his drops and zone coverage. His man coverage ability when he's covering the line or covering the running back, that's like, wow, we've never had a linebacker like that, dude. Not, like Devondre, maybe, but we've never had a linebacker who is able to just man up with a running back who's in the backfield in shotgun, and he's able to just beat him to the sideline. So it completely shuts down any opportunity for the quarterback to hit the check down. Like that's, that's, the, that's what I love about Quay. He needs to get better in pass coverage, but what linebacker doesn't need to get better in pass coverage? You know, he led the team in tackles. Game. His first game, he leads the uh, leads the team in tackles. Nine tackles for not Quay. bad, yeah. not bad at all. Griff, I do have a question for you from K Cub 1996. Do you blame the game on the haircut? Oh wow! You know what? I do miss the long hair. So do I. I it's love the long crazy. hair. A little biased, but. Uh, (laughs) i came around to it i came around at first i was like oh aaron what are we doing here but now i miss it i like his haircut though i like it you know speaking of aaron what did you think of his body language throughout the game because to me it was kind of reminiscent of some of the stuff we saw with mccarthy and the receivers issues and it was felt like that right away i just kind of you know we joke about aaron's body language over the years and we poke fun at it sometimes but it kind of it did look like wow like this is what it It looked looked like like 2018 had no weapons yeah no it looked like the rogers that i used to have to constantly defend you know because everyone was always (laughs) coming at him for the leadership stuff and i would be like that's just how he is he he, he holds these guys to a high standard i haven't had to say that so much over the these last couple years he's been a in a much happier state of mind i believe um, but yeah, it kind of looked like, <laughs> kind of looked like the old Aaron Rodgers out there. He was very heated, various moments in the game. Uh, did you, you, do you remember the one, the one clip of him after the interception where he is just screaming at somebody on the field, uh, definitely a teammate. He is, that was, I'm pretty sure I read the lips of Rod there and he had said, it was, he said Bob, he said. right? He was talking yeah, to Tunyon, yeah. right? He was talking. Tunyon was supposed to do something. He was talking something. to Bobby. He said, "He said you gotta help Bob," and then the floor it cuts to the floor, and he's like, you know, dropping f bombs. Yeah, yeah. Let's apparently, go. <laughs> yeah, they were. Come on, Bob. It sucks if it's not Tunyon because then we're just casting blame on an innocent man here. Well, but who um, else is Bob? I mean, he said Bob, which is funny you, that you he think... called him Bob. Even in, in even in the heat of the moment like that. Yeah. <laughs> even at his most angry, he's still calling him Bob. <laughs> yeah. But Rodgers was heavily under like you know what sucks? First like that snap comes off and Rodgers is immediately having to roll to his left and make a throw cross body. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just like what is that, bro? Like I don't know if that's supposed to be I I didn't look at that play particularly, which I you I think you probably did. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe maybe Tunyon was supposed to chip there and it just Yeah, he just happen, didn't chip whatever. enough. He, he, yeah, I mean, it was a chip and release type of thing, 
he yeah. really he got out too early because the guy that's was the hardly thing. affected. Yeah, that's the thing. Like he can't have when, if you're gonna chip, you gotta fully commit. And even though it's a leak, you know, right on after a play that, like you that, still gotta get there on a shot play before halftime. Like yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I wouldn't. I love Aaron Rodgers, but I would not like to be a rookie receiver playing for the Packers. I would be very afraid of that guy. I really do like this version of Aaron, though, the one that's willing to step up and criticize these guys during the game and let them know that they've got to be better because he holds the standard so high. Like you mentioned it, Griff. He holds these guys to such a high standard, a championship standard, because he knows what it means to be a Green Bay Packer and play at this level. And he knows what we're trying to do, which is win championships. And if you're not going to be able to help us do that, you can't be on the field because we have these giant, giant lofty goals to go win a Super Bowl. And he can't have guys that aren't doing their job right get in the way. And that's the one thing I love about him is that he holds us to a championship standard, and that doesn't discriminate either. So it's a good thing to me. And I, uh, I look forward to hopefully having that translate to better play from these young guys and the guys that need to step up in Devontae Adams' absence. And that includes Tunyon, that includes Cobb, that includes Sammy Watkins. These guys, even if they're veterans, need to step up and step into a championship role. And I have hope that they're going to do that under Aaron's leadership. And the other thing with this version, if we're going to call it this version of Aaron Rodgers, it's like I have no doubt that in the locker room during the week, he's probably a great guy to be with. I mean, he talks about like going to lunch with, getting private lunches with Romeo Dobbs and stuff. Like, every every receiver who's ever played for Aaron, MVS, he used to give MVS the worst stare-downs in his rookie year, in his second year. Um, but MVS loves the guy, you know? All these guys, they love Aaron Rodgers because he's like a coach, you know? It's out of love. It's because he knows you can play better. He knows Bo- Big Bobby knows what to do on that play. Okay, Griff, let me ask you this from Blue Jack City. He says, My biggest question this year is how long will it take for the rookie wide receivers to gain 12's trust? This is a conversation we've had. This a, a lot of these conversations are very reminiscent of these years where we had young guys like 2017, 2018 that had to earn Aaron's trust. It's just very similar to some of those years. It is. And it's very reminiscent. It is. It's like, wow, we are kind of back to square one after not having to Devont- having Devonte. <laughs> so, we are, dude. Um, it's we're weird, back with right? We're back and Jamon and we're Ugh. Oh god. So now, but these guys, and... these guys are a little different, right? Because they, oh my goodness, Kumaro. Uh, these guys have shown that they can play in this league uh, with Aaron in practice. Not in, in terms of the games, we haven't seen it yet, but Aaron is clearly impressed. Like, he doesn't usually go out and say that he's so impressed with these guys. And they're a little bit earlier picks. Romeo was a fourth, Christian was a second. Those are the two guys that are the young guys that need to step up and play well. How long will it take? It wouldn't have taken long if... Watson caught that pass on that first play, right? Romeo made some plays. Like, these guys are going to catch passes, and I don't know how long it's going to take, but as long as Rodgers keeps throwing to them, it won't take long. You know, like, they just have to start making the plays and showing that they can do it, which I think, Griffey, you and I both and many Packers fans believe that they can and will. So it really is just about them executing when the ball comes their way. I think Rodgers believes Watson when he says that's not going to happen again. He said, you know, exactly this. He said, going forward, I will make that play. And I believe him, too, because that was a silly mistake. It was a drop. It was the nerves. It was the first play of the game. I get it. You get it, yeah. right? You understand. He's a rookie. And Aaron said, Aaron said that they had been talking about that during the week, of opening, the, opening up the game with a bomb. 
It's a lot so, of pressure you know, he, when all of a sudden it it's is. there and you did it. Like it's, <laughs> it's I've like, been in... okay, here it is. We got the look. I'm wide open. Here's the ball. Don't drop it. And then it hits your hands and it's cool. you can you empathize with it. It's like you. I don't know if you know any athlete. You know, even at the you know, young level or has played in any capacity, knows that when you get in these high moments where the ball's coming and the ball's in the air and it's like those. It's a long time to process that, and you make a mistake, and it happens. Like, it's happened to every player, and when you're a rookie and you're doing it for the literal first time, and it's just how you drew it up, and you've envisioned it all week, and it's there, and then all that time while the ball's in the air, and it just hits your hands, and it's just, it happens so quick. Again, there's not an excuse for it, but you understand it, and you don't accept it, but it's the reality. So, and the optimistic you just have to thing- move on. The optimistic perspective is that he was wide open, seventy-five yards downfield on the first play of his career. That's the thing. He, it was too he ran a great route. He, he couldn't believe that he did it. Fantastic, Patrick. Route. Like, think about all the variables of this. Like, first of all, that's Patrick Peterson. He was one of the best quarters in football for a long time. And this is a guy you probably watched growing up. Like, oh, he's so good. He's one of the best. Yeah. And he's lining up against him on the first play. Beats him like he's a piece of garbage. <laughs> and then, and he makes then has him look this, silly. Puts him in a blender, <laughs> and then has this touchdown in his hands, and he can't believe it. And it's from Aaron Rodgers. Everything. It's just like he's about to become the biggest star in the league if he catches this pass. And then he yeah. just didn't catch it. It's okay though. I think this is good for him, and it's good for everybody because we're gonna learn from it. The the standard is heightened as as ever, and we'll get into this more during our preview episode for the Bears game this week. But if we go and lose this game against Chicago at Lambeau, being 0-2, that's going to be a problem. That is going to be a real, <laughs> real problem. issue. That's going to be a legitimate issue. It's not even like when we're 1-2 and in, in Detroit and Rodgers says relax. Uh, this is a whole different thing. This is a whole different thing. I mean, this is very scary, legitimately scary to be 0-2. When was the last time we were 0-2? I don't even know. But it would be bad because how are you going to climb back from zero and two? We got to win. You got to win six straight, basically, to like kind of get back in the division lead, probably. And that's just to then still be at six and two. Can't get the one seed at six and two unless we win every other game. It's just I, th- these are the things that go through my mind as we're trying because we're trying to win a Super Bowl, Griff. Right? Can't go zero and two. You just can't do it. This is as close to a must win in the regular season as it gets for me right now. God, I cannot remember a time we were 0-2. I just went through every I, year that I watched with football. Yeah. yeah, with Aaron Rodgers? No, I've never seen this team 0-2. Um, I am young, however. So, um, But, yeah, it's an important game this Sunday night, but they're going to be ready. It's the Bears, dude. They're going to be ready. Um, it's on Sunday night football, too. So it's going to be exciting, dude. And then everyone's going to see the, – the only reason this game matters even a little bit to most people is just because, like, in, in the eyes of most NFL fans now, the Packers aren't what they used to be. And, like, they're probably going to be bad this year, you know? But once we start winning, the narrative changes. So it's really nothing to worry about. And then we got the Buccaneers the next week. Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Going to prove everyone wrong. That's why I love football season. That's why I love doing this podcast, Ron. We're going to wrap it up here. It's Um, back, Griff. Football is back no matter how bad it feels. It's back. And you know what? I'd rather talk about a Packers loss than not talk about the Packers at all. So thank you so much for listening here. Um, If you listen this far... Leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and iTunes, please. It would be very much appreciated. Send us a DM if you listen this far. Let us know how you like the show. Um, Send it to your friends and family. That would be huge. Subscribe on all platforms. That would be great as well. 
um, if you like the show, of course. And uh, we will be back later this week to preview this Sunday night football game against the Chicago Bears. And uh, that's going to be fun because uh, everyone loves Bears week. It's Bears week. This is the Bears Super Bowl, you know? And it's not like Rodgers owns the Bears. The Vikings... The Vikings have always given him trouble. It feels like we always lose one of the games against the Vikings per year. But the Vikings <laughs> just won their first Super Bowl too, so now the Bears yeah. have a chance to win one for themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's why we love these rivalries. But the Bears one is more fun because they rarely win, so it's going to be fun. And can't wait to watch that game. And we will be back to talk about that, of course. So thank you so much for listening. Like I said, and go Pack Go. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, go Pack Go. And remember, the sky is not falling and this team is good. All right, go pack, go.